This is the sermon podcast of Lord of Life Lutheran Church in Columbus, Ohio, where we proclaim God's extravagant grace, radical inclusion, and relentless compassion. Join us for worship Sundays at 8 a.m., 9 a.m., or 11.15 a.m. For more information, please visit our website at www.acceptingall.com. The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the 10th chapter. Jesus said, Very truly I tell you, anyone who does not enter the sheepfold by the gate, but climbs in by another way, is a thief and a bandit. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, He goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him, because they know his voice. They will not follow a stranger, but they will run from him, because they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this figure of speech with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So again Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and bandits, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters by me will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. The Gospel of the Lord. I greet you in the name of our risen Christ. Amen. Today is the fourth Sunday of Easter, and it is referred to in the church as Good Shepherd Sunday. Easter is a season not of just a Sunday or a week, but we celebrate Easter for a week of weeks. That is 49 days, seven times seven. Day number 50 is the day of Pentecost, and it concludes our Easter celebration. There are seven Sundays in the Easter season. We are at number four, so we are halfway through the Easter season. And there is a shift in our lessons, if you've noticed today. On Easter Day, on Easter 2 and Easter 3, we read resurrection appearances of Jesus in our gospel. Today, on Easter 4, all three years of our cycle, we read from the 10th chapter of John's Gospel. And in chapter 10, Jesus uses the metaphor of he being the shepherd and his followers being the sheep. I am the good shepherd. So throughout chapter 10, we have this image of Jesus as the shepherd. And we read that every fourth Sunday of Easter. So today is Good Shepherd Sunday. Uh, Coupled with that in our next two services, the psalmody for this day is Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And then starting next Sunday and for the last three Sundays of Easter, our gospel reading will then, Jesus will be focusing on preparing his disciples for that moment when he ascends to heaven and leaves them. And he is promising 
to prepare them. He prays for their unity, and he prays that they're going to be one, and he prays that the Holy Spirit will come upon them, and they will continue the mission that he established. But today is kind of this pivotal Sunday in our Easter season, and we call it Good Shepherd Sunday. And we hear Jesus' words today in our gospel reading. He says, they hear his voice, and they follow him. And then a little bit later, he says, I came so that they may have life and have it more abundantly. Who is the they to whom Jesus refers? Well, they in this case refers to Jesus' sheep, all those who hear his voice and who follow him and who recognize Jesus as the gate to enter for an abundant life. I want to talk to you this morning about this abundant, full life. Before I do, I have an image I want to share with you. I hadn't planned on doing this, but it just came to mind. I have been fortunate in my life to go to the Holy Land on two different occasions. The first occasion I was there, it was when I was on internship, so we're talking some 40 years ago. We're in this tour bus, and we're going down these windy, tiny little country roads, and uh, Here's our, our big old honking bus going down this dusty little road, and there is a herd of sheep and a shepherd in front of us, and then there is another herd of sheep and a shepherd coming from the opposite direction. And of course, they have to scurry off the road, get out of the way for our, our bus to go by. So here are these two herds of sheep that just merge, and our bus driver kind of slows down and stops, and we're watching this. And to me, I would have thought this would have been absolutely utter chaos, you know, these two herds of sheep meeting one another. But the shepherds just keep walking and talking and talking and talking, each shepherd going, and their sheep just follow their voice. It's absolutely true. The sheep know the shepherd's voice, and they just follow him. You could have 2,000 sheep, and one shepherd will walk in and start talking, and his hundred sheep out of the 2,000 will just separate themselves and follow their shepherd. So in the evenings, they all put their sheep together in one sheep pen, and in the mornings, the shepherd comes, starts talking, and their sheep will separate out and just follow the shepherd along. It's amazing. <laughs> so anyway, Jesus says, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. My question is, well, who among us, to be honest now, who among us does not strive, does not want to have an abundant life, one that is full and as pleasurable as possible? I've discovered that there are some people in life who will do absolutely everything they can and anything they can to attain an abundant, full life. So, this morning, we're going to ask ourselves, rhetorically, what makes for an abundant full life? Some people I know spend large sums of money on doctors and in hospitals and maybe even in nursing homes at the end of life, trying to preserve life, making life as long and as pain-free as possible. Is this the abundant life Jesus is talking about? Sometimes we can make incredible demands on our doctors and give them unreasonable expectations trying to preserve our lives and make us as healthy as possible. Is that the abundant life we're talking about? 
Some people I know meticulously watch what they eat. They track their weight day in and day out, and their blood pressure and their cholesterol. They exercise regularly, trying to stay in shape to live longer. Some may even go through cosmetic surgery or dye their hair, trying to remain young as long as we possibly can. Is this the abundant life we seek? For yet another person, the abundant life is one of climbing that ladder of success. And we become impatient, don't we, when we don't climb that ladder as quickly as we would like, or we don't get as far up that ladder as we would like. And we become devastated when we don't get to that point that we think that we deserve. For, long, for some, life is spent achieving one job promotion after another, with one salary increase after another, with more perks, with greater power, with more recognition and more prestige. Such is the a dream of an abundant life for some. Others still, I think, measure the abundant life by the amount of material possessions that are accumulated in the course of that life. We started life perhaps <laughs> with a bicycle with balloon tires. <laughs> no gears. I can remember having little streamers on my handlebars and thinking that was really tough stuff. All right, and that balloon-tired bike gets replaced with a 20-speed mountain bike. That's what my son started out with, a 20-speed mountain bike. And then he progressed to a wave runner because we lived at Indian Lake. We purchased our first car. I remember my first car. It was a used one, 16 years old. Didn't have any extras. It, it had a manual transmission, no power windows, no power door locks. Heavens, it didn't even have side mirrors. It only had one rearview mirror. It was a 1960 Pontiac Catalina. Every car I've purchased since then is bigger, nicer, and has more amenities on it. And each one gets increasingly more expensive. Until by the time we can no longer drive our car, we have a car that we paid more for than we did our first house. Oh, and speaking of homes, perhaps we started our adult life renting an apartment. How many of us rented an apartment for our first dwelling place? Mm -hmm. And then we finally move into a single-family home, a dwelling. Nothing pretentious about it. It's what we could afford. And then subsequently, the houses get bigger, the garages bigger, the nicer neighborhoods. Is that what we need when we want an abundant life? Then we acquire a vacation home, and then a cottage at the lake, or a cabin in the mountains, or a condo at the beach, or a timeshare or two, or maybe an RV and mobile home. Is that the abundant life we want? And is that what Jesus is talking about? For some, the abundant life is measured yet by something else. We go from having no vacation time at the beginning of our career, no money for vacation, to retiring and wintering six months in Florida or Arizona. We go from having no savings account to being and being in debt up to our eyeballs to retiring with a sizable nest egg. In one point of life, we're convinced that we just don't have enough. 
Before long, we're having yard sales, trying to get rid of the stuff that we've accumulated that we no longer want or no longer have room for, so we can buy more stuff. Still others measure the abundant life by how much of it can be utilized doing pleasurable activities. The abundant life for some is spent working less and less and playing and relaxing more and more. How many times in our life have we pictured ourselves on some beach in Tahiti or Hawaii, sipping our Mai Tai, our little umbrella drink, and thinking, now that's the life. For some, the abundant life consists of how many vacation days and holidays and personal days and sick days can be utilized in the course of a year and by how many boats and snowmobiles and dirt bikes and motorcycles and skis and RVs and sports equipment and tickets to sporting events and recreational events, how much of that can be accommodated by our incomes. Oh, for the abundant life. For others still, an abundant life is measured in terms of, of happiness. It's Spending life not having to deal with disease and crisis and calamity and the death of loved ones. It's life on an even keel, protected and sheltered from life's unpleasantries, with few unwanted, unexpected, unhappy, or unpleasant events. So what do you consider an abundant life? Maybe it's a combination of a lot of that stuff I've just mentioned. But somehow, I don't think this is what Jesus is talking about. It's not what he had in mind when he said, I came so that they may have life and have it more abundantly. What is that abundant life of which Jesus speaks? What is that life that Jesus desires for us? What is that life that he was willing to die for and give up his life for so that we could experience it? And what is that life that his disciples discovered after Easter that they were willing to be martyred for, each and every one of them? And even more importantly, how do we experience this life? Well, Jesus says this morning, I'm the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved, and they will experience that abundant life that I came to bring them. And then Jesus goes on to say that others unsuccessfully attempt to sneak into the abundant life, attempting to avoid the door and the gate, hoping that they can experience that life Jesus desires without ever really meeting up with Jesus, hoping that they can avoid any cross-bearing or serving or that idea of perhaps dying for someone else. Let's look at it from another angle. What kind of life is it that is spent fearing death? That's spent fearing and fleeing and avoiding any kind of suffering? Didn't Jesus return from the grave at Easter assuring us that death no longer had to be feared anymore? It had been defeated. What kind of life is it really that has little or no concern for others? 
because we're afraid of what the cost will be to us. After watching the news this week, I think that's a good question for Congress to be asking itself right now. Didn't Jesus tell us that life was gained by spending our lives on others, by living for and serving others, and taking care of their needs? What kind of life is it when one is absorbed with one obsession after another? Whether it's wealth or possessions or good health or happiness or success or whatever. Didn't Jesus say to his followers, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth, things that are here today and gone tomorrow? What kind of life is it really when we feel that we have to look out for ourselves for fear that nobody else will? What kind of life is it when we must step on others to assure our place at the top of the heap? What kind of life is it when we fear that we must have a gun to protect ourselves and we must build walls to protect what we consider ours and to keep others out and away from what is ours? What kind of life is it anyway that is spent earning our rewards instead of receiving a gift of grace from God that only God can give us? Is that abundant life? Jesus says there's only one way to enter. There's only one gate if we're going to experience that abundant life He desires to give us. All other attempts that we make or ways that we try will be useless and in vain. There's only one way to the life that Jesus desires for us, and that way is Jesus. It's a way that involves caring for others, laying down our own lives for others. It's a way that involves serving others. It's a way that involves loving God by loving our neighbors more than we love our very selves. It's a way that involves receiving a gift that God has to give rather than earning our reward and showing our worthiness and righteousness to the rest of the world. It's a way, friends, that is paved with crosses. It's a way that's paved with serving and suffering. But for those seeking that abundant life, those who enter by this gate, they all testify without exception that it is worth giving everything else up for. Jesus assures us that those who recognize his voice and follow it will have life and will have it more abundantly. The abundant life we seek awaits all who follow Jesus. And that same life will elude us every time by entering our seeking to enter by another way. My prayer this day is that God grant us grace enough and faith enough to hear Jesus' voice and follow it to that abundant life he wants for all of us. Amen.